Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Let's stop and take a moment to talk about Fight Laugh Feast Club membership. By joining the Fight Laugh Feast Army, not only will you be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but you'll also get access to content placed in our club portals, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you'll also get discounts for our conferences. So if you've got 10 bucks a month to kick over our way, you can sign up right now at FightLaughFeast.com. Now, let's go to Italy. Ah, the Godfather theme, classic. And that goes with today's story. Arrest of Last Godfather deals new blow to ailing Sicilian mafia. Interesting. This one takes us to Rome. The arrest of Sicilian mafia boss Matteo Messina Denaro deals a powerful blow to the mythology of the Cosa Nostra toppling a symbol of the group's resistance to police efforts to break up organized crime. Messina Denaro, age 60, was Italy's most wanted mafia boss and had been on the run for three decades. He had been sentenced to absentia to a life term for his role in the 1992 murders of anti-mafia prosecutors Giovanni Falcone and Paolo Borossillo, probably butchered that but anyways his arrest comes almost 30 years to the day after police caught salvatore toto rina cosa nostro's biggest figure of the 20th century and marks the last step in efforts to dismantle the group's historical clan leadership experts describe cosa costa nostra its fame amplified by movies such as The Godfather, as an ailing crime group facing several difficulties, including competition in the highly lucrative drugs market. Although Cosa Nostra retains control of its Sicilian territory and capacity to infiltrate the broader economy, it's been supplanted by groups such as the Calabrian in the drugs trade. Sergi said it was not clear who would step in to replace Messina Denaro in what is now a more factionalized mafia. So there you go. That's Italy. Let's head back over to the U.S. As President Joe Biden's administration in a court hearing on January 17th urged judges on a federal appeals court to overturn a ruling from a lower court that struck down the administration's airplane mask mandate. The U.S. Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention had a good cause to impose the mandate and bypass the notice and comment period required by the Administrative Procedure Act, or the APA. Brian Springer, an attorney for the government, told judges of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. At the time the mandate was imposed in early 2021, there were variants that had just been detected that showed signs of increased transmissibility, and people were starting to travel again, Springer said. In those circumstances, the CDC had good cause to issue this order, particularly when the CDC detailed the reasons why in this particular environment, namely in the transportation sector and in the transportation settings, COVID had a specific tendency to spread among people who are traveling together because they're standing together in lines and sitting together on conveyances. Of the, on the judge's expressed skepticism with the line of thinking accusing the CDC of issuing boilerplate language to impose the mandate without a notice and comment period. Under a ruling in a separate case, boilerplate statements that COVID-19 exists and that there's a public emergency aren't sufficient to satisfy the good cause exception to the APA. 
Springer disagreed, saying the CDC statement provided rationale that met the standard. U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell, a Trump appointee, said in her 2022 ruling that the CDC violated the APA by only issuing a single conclusory sentence to support ducking the notice requirements. She noted that at the time the order was, the order was issued, around a year had passed since the beginning of the pandemic, and COVID-19 cases in America were on the decline. Brent Hardaway, arguing for health freedom defense Fund, which brought the case, said that the mandate was very strange given the airplanes and many airports already had mandates in place in addition to the decline in cases. Other portions of the hearing went over arguments as to whether the CDC had the authority to mandate masks. U.S. Code gives the federal government the power to enforce regulations judged as necessary to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases from foreign countries into the states or possessions or from the state or possession into any other state or possession. The government, to enforce such measures, may provide for such inspection, fumigation, disinfection, sanitation, pest extermination, destruction of animals or articles found to be so infected or contaminated as to be sources of dangerous infection to human beings, and other measures, as in his judgment, may be necessary. That was according to the statute. Ooh, what a... Mouthful. In striking down the CDC's moratorium on evictions, the Supreme Court found that the agency overstepped the authority outlined in the law, but the court also said the law empowered the CDC to impose measures that directly relate to preventing the interstate spread of disease by identifying, isolating, and destroying the disease itself. Moving on, study finds journalists are now among the most distrusted groups in the world. Hey, that's me. Oh, wait a minute. According to the Eldman Trust Barometer, more than two-thirds of respondents worried that journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations. Out of all groups presented, the percentage of journalists is the highest. The findings also show that the percentage is the highest among the groups presented with one percentage point above government leaders. Wow, the newest finding is eight points higher than last year, proving that people are rapidly losing trust in the media. However, when the question was phrased differently, journalists fared slightly better. Out of the groups presented, government leaders ranked lowest at 42%, with journalists coming in second with 46%. The most trusted groups were scientists, that's kind of surprising, and fellow co-workers at 75 and 74% respectively. The new findings reflect the growing lack of trust in media. Of those surveyed, 46% said media divided society, compared to just 35% who said media are a unifying force. There were also concerns about the weaponization of fake news, with over three-quarters of respondents saying they were concerned about it. President Ronald Reagan extolled the central role in the media in American democracy. Since the founding of this nation, freedom of the press has been a fundamental tenet of American life, Reagan said on October 6, 1983. There is no more essential ingredient than a free, strong, and independent press to our continued success in what the Founding Fathers called our noble experiment in self-government. However, the media has changed a lot since then, becoming an entity that is no different from a government lobbyist. Moving on, let's go to Illinois. More than 70 Illinois counties say they will not enforce state assault weapon ban, according to a report. Illinois sheriffs from almost 80 counties are refusing to enforce the state's assault weapons ban that was recently signed into law by Governor J.B. Pritzker. Pritzker signed the 
Protect Illinois Community Act into law on January 10th, which bans the distribution and sale of assault weapons. I put that in quotes. High-capacity magazines and switches in Illinois. Those who own such guns are expected to register them with Illinois State Police by January 1st, 2024. However, at least 74 sheriff's departments have publicly stated they will not enforce the ban, stating it infringes on the Second Amendment, according to ABC News. Edwards County Sheriff Darby Bow wrote in a statement that part of his duty is to protect the right to keep and bear arms. Quote, the right to keep and bear arms for defense of life, liberty, and property is regarded as an inalienable right by the people, Bo wrote. Therefore, as a custodian of the jail and chief law enforcement officer for Edwards County, that neither myself or my office will be checking to ensure that lawful gun owners register their weapons with the state, nor will we be arresting housing individuals that have been charged solely with noncompliance with this act. The statement was was drafted by Illinois Sheriff's Association Executive Director Jim Kaitchik, according to ABC News, and sent out to the sheriff's departments to use or make edits if desired. DuPage, Sangamong, and Iroquois counties are among the 74 departments that have released similarly modifying statements. Iroquois County Sheriff Clinton Percy said he would not use his jails to detain people exercising their civil rights, according to the Lake and McHenry County Scanner. At an event in Quincy on January 12th, Pritzker told the crowd that law enforcement needs to enforce the law or leave the field. Several counties have reportedly designated themselves as, quote, Second Amendment sanctuary cities, something that Pritzker dismissed at the Quincy event. Now, how about some entertainment news? Good things will happen. That was Brendan Fraser. He chokes up after winning the Critics' Choice win. During the peak of success, let's go back to his past a little bit here. During the peak of his success, being one of the highest paid actors of the time for blockbusters like The Mummy, George of the Jungle, and Bedazzled, Frazier completely disappeared from the movie scene. While the movie was an all-action-packed fun with Frazier portraying the tough and oh-so-handsome Rick O'Connell, the actor suffered major injuries during the shooting of the three films. This was during the Mummy trilogy. During the filming of The Mummy in 1999, Frazier was almost choked to death during his hanging scene in the opening of the movie. As per The Things, his co-star Rachel Wise called, uh, recalled that he stopped breathing and even needed CPR. And that was just one mishap. The injuries he received from the ancient Egyptian-themed films led to multiple surgeries, including a laminectomy, a back procedure to relieve pressure on the spinal cord or nerves, no big deal, a partial knee replacement, more back surgeries to bolt compressed spinal pads together, vocal cord repair, and other procedures. That was according to People magazine. Just as his professional life took a hit, his private life also resulted in a blow when his ex-wife, Afton Smith, split from him in 2007. He was then required to pay around $900,000 for child support, as per the New York Post. Six years after the divorce, Frazier allegedly asked the court to reduce the payment as he said he was no longer able to afford the hefty sum due to his lack of work. And so things spiraled. But fast forward to today. Frazier broke down in tears during his acceptance speech during Sunday evening's Critics' Choice Awards. Frazier was nominated for his performance as Charlie, a morbidly obese teacher who was attempting to repair his damaged relationship with his daughter, played by Sadie Sink, while eating himself to death in The Whale, and he took home the Best Actor prize. Frazier was clearly already emotional when his name was announced, and everyone at his table got to their feet and cheered. The applause continued as he made his way to the stage, stopping only to offer hugs and handshakes to a few people along the way. 
Once Frazier took the stage, it was clear that he was not going to make it through the speech without his emotions getting the best of him. I was in the wilderness, and I probably should have left a trail of breadcrumbs. But you found me, and um, like all the best directors, you merely just showed me where to go to get to where I needed to be. If you, like a guy like Charlie, who I played in this movie, in any way struggle with obesity, or you just feel like you're in a dark sea, I want you to know that if you too can have the strength to just get to your feet and go to the light, good things will happen. Thank you. Good on you, Frazier. Good on you. Hey, today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ the Immovable Rock. It is a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world. Guided by God's word, they take the world back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom. Thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. Find out more at nsa.edu. That's nsa.edu. And finally, it's time for my favorite topic, sports. The Cincinnati Bengals advanced to the semifinals of the AFC Conference playoffs, and this play had a lot to do with it. Put them right around Hundley. He reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. Back the other way, Sam Hubbard. The Cincinnati kid. Hubbard's got a convoy. Chased by Andrews at the 30, the 20. He The Bengals defeated the Ravens 24-17. What a close game, and hey, the Ravens had a chance to win it in the final seconds if they almost caught the pass in the end zone there off of a deflection. The Bengals, however, advanced to take on the Buffalo Bills, the team they were playing when DeMar Hamlin suffered his terrifying injury. The Bills, by the way, it's going to be fourth and six. Are they going to make it in time? Snap it now. Go. It's late. It's late. It's late. Hold on. They're going to wave off the play with the penalty. It'll back them up five yards. That was prior to the snap. Delay a game. Offense. Five-yard penalty. Fourth down. Right there, Tyreek Hill in the slot. Rushing four. Thompson has to run away from the pressure. Throws. Incomplete. Broken up by Elam. They were trying to get it to the tight end, Gasicki, and Buffalo takes over on downs. That's right. The Buffalo Bills held off a feisty Dolphins team with a 34-31 win. Now the Bengals will travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills to see who advances next. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or a magazine subscription, head on over to fightlaughfeast.com. By the way, we've got all that club portal content for you there. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our upcoming conference at the Ark Encounter, or if you want to become a corporate partner with Cross Politic, email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day and Lord bless.